five, four, three, two, one. How's it going, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the Old School, New School podcast. I am Will Charles Egan. And of course, per usual, we have... Hello, everybody. Chris Meekins. And we have a special guest. Want to introduce yourself? That is... This is such a cool episode that we have. I, again, per usual, I show up and I'm like, what are we doing? And who's this, who's this woman, this <laughs> young this? woman? He yeah, just, he just found out. Am I allowed to say how old you are? You he just found out. How old is she? Well, I don't want to say it. Oh, it's a good thing. It's a okay. privilege. Well, well, she said that she just turned 80 years old. And I was like, no, are you for real? And her name is Jamie Norton, a friend of mine. Yes. Well, She's more of my counselor. <laughs> yes. Uh, more of a professional relationship. And so and she's our guest. Mm-hmm. And so we talked about uh, always wanting to have a woman on our program. Yeah. And, and here we are. Finally, here we are. 15 episodes. We had to in. have an 80-year-old woman because we couldn't handle these young girls. <laughs> yeah, the gals. Young, young girls would be bouncing off the walls. Yeah, they'd all be the telling place. us what to do. Yeah. Anyway. So we figured we would have this particular episode because of, I think we could all say, shared life experiences that we've all had. And through those experiences that we've had, we want to be able to use our testimony to impact the lives of others. Right. So real quick, do you want to maybe introduce how it is that you got into what you do and maybe what happened in your personal life? I'm not, are we supposed to be like giving her, her credentials? Is that important? It might help. She is. She's got more letters after her name. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's uh-huh. Jamie Norton. Uh-huh. Uh, M E D comma L I C D C dash C S. The hell does that mean? What does that mean? It means that I am. Uh, I went to school. Okay, <laughs> which means absolutely nothing. Okay, <laughs> and it means that I'm a clinical supervisor in addiction treatment. Okay, and um, for like the last forty-five years, I've been showing up to try to help people come back to where they need to be. Mm. And awesome. So. Um, and then she has a, a book. She wrote Secrets from the Third Pew, and it's a, it's a life story. It's a life story mm-hmm. of how uh, she grew up in an in a alcoholic family. I did. And uh, that uh, she did uh, pick up a drink or two over the years. A mm-hmm. few. And, a uh, and And then, uh, so, and then, well, what else she wrote is a, a book called Making Peace and Beyond, and it's a, it's a workbook on how to make peace, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. So where do you think we should start? Should we talk, ask her about her story? Yeah, I mean, what, what was it that maybe led you to work in this field? Were there some experiences that you had personally? I grew up in an alcoholic family where both mm-hmm. of my parents actually ended up dying of alcoholism. Oh, wow, okay. And didn't know anything different. I learned to lie really mm. early. First their lie and then my lie. Yep, <laughs> and yep. and uh, it fit really well together. Mm. And um, it was Old South. So we had okay. a name. We grew up in the church. Um, I tell people sometimes my maiden name was Howard. My grandfather built the church I grew up in. And I had a cousin that literally thought the Lord's Prayer with our Father who art in heaven, Howard is our name. Howard. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was, yep, we, were, we were there. Yep. I had 12 years perfect attendance at Sunday school. In fact, nice. we had a house at the beach, and I would go up down the beach and try to recruit people for Sunday school because I thought yeah. we were supposed to be in Sunday school. So <laughs> we would do that. But um, Something it was happened. a real different life at home. Mm, I mm-hmm. mean, my father was a deacon, my mother was very active in the women of the church, mm-hmm. but 
I never remember a night without a fifth on the counter and wow, okay. pornography in the bathroom. I mean, mm-hmm. it was it was just Jesus didn't come home with us. Mm, yep. <laughs> he didn't live inside the house. He didn't. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't remember ever reading scripture in the house. Wow. Um, but you were but you were pillars in the church. We were. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't get this idea that Jesus was very powerful, but I thought mm. that if I prayed long enough and hard enough, he'd fix my life. Hmm. And he fixed my family. And so for several years, um, I was this good kid. I did the straight A's. I did the go to see the old people that eat milk and cookies and listen (laughs) to their stories. And I I, uh, was a Girl Scout. I did all of these things trying to be good enough. Hmm, Checking boxes. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and nothing happened and Mm -hmm. it got worse. About seventh grade, my sister was bedridden with an illness, Mm -hmm. and I thought, God, either you're impotent, you don't exist, or you just don't love me, Mm. but I've done my part, you haven't done your part, and I see that so often in people. Mm. It's like, I'm going to do everything right, and I'm going to work hard enough, and God's going to make me happy, and prosperity Christianity just feeds that, and so I I just was like... uh, Decided to do it my way. So mm-hmm. I started drinking and smoking and acting At out. At what age? Uh, 13. Oh, okay. wow. Okay. That's a lot younger than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> and we, you made it to eight. And she made it to, <laughs> she's made it to nice. 80. She's like, wow. Cha-ching. And uh, ended up as a teenage pregnancy and mm-hmm. got exiled to somewhere. I said, way to live with cousins. And one of the things that is a primary symptom of dysfunctional families is we talk about each other not to each other Mm. and then we have all these no talk rules of things we can't talk about so we hide the things that we don't want to have i loved that when when i was going through many of the times that i went through this is that um she she used an example of uh something would happen like the night before Mm -hmm. and all hell was breaking out i mean i remember the time i i mean my dad just beat the crap out of me Mm -hmm. and i'm swearing back at him and everybody's hiding in their room and the next morning was like good morning (laughs) are you going to school today yeah i'm Um, going to school today with this black eye Uh but uh but it's like nothing ever happened Mm -hmm. and your black eye came from falling down somewhere bumping into the door yeah or they (laughs) thought i deserved it because everybody's like well you're just a bad little kid anyway (laughs) and you thought you deserved it right Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. because kids always feel like they deserve whatever, you know, because, especially if your parents are loved by everybody outside the house. Yeah. Everybody loved Bill Mickens. Mm -hmm. Everybody. And then you think, well, what's wrong with me that I'm not loved? Wow. You know, and so my father did what people do when people, they couldn't hide a pregnancy. So I was Mm -hmm. shipped out, forced to give up a child and then sent to live with some cousins in Seattle so I could have a normal life. Right, yeah. So you go out there and you lie while you're there. And mm-hmm. I know today my father loved me, mm-hmm. but he couldn't love me well. And he it was his belief system that the best thing for me was to be hidden. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what he didn't realize is it set off a 20-year pattern of shame. Mm-hmm. And so shame, shame? shame is Satan's greatest Oh, where does does that show up at? Shame shows up in three different ways. It shows up natural shame. I mean, that's what took Adam and Eve out of the garden. Mm -hmm. The first feeling they had when they decided to take control of things and became aware that they were a creature Mm because they did become aware. Satan kept his promise, but not of what they thought. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So they became aware. 
And, you know, we tried to hide. You know, we, we, we were naked. We were vulnerable. We were helpless, and we tried to hide that, mm-hmm. which meant we hid from each other. And then God comes in, and we try to hide from him because the first thing we felt was fear okay. after mm-hmm. shame, the fear wow. of being known. I mean, yeah. all of us want to be loved. All mm-hmm. of us want to, but we're terrified to be known. Mm. And so we hide from each other. And God doesn't love that person that we make up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, he, yep. you know, he loves the person he created. Mm-hmm. So we block God's path to us by creating this image that we think we ought to be. Mm-hmm. And that we think would keep us safe. But yeah. I, anyway, so shame, there's natural shame. Yes. And then there's imposed shame. That's when your vulnerability and your helplessness, your limits, your neediness are shamed mm, by okay. people who aren't you. You know, like parents who shame you, parents who neglect you, parents who abuse you, parents, bullies in school, mm. people who betray you along the way. Will with me <laughs> all the time. You are too old to he's, do this he's anymore. Old. He's always like, "Well, that was Chris, and he's old." So Chris is, just has no idea what he's talking about. Old is good. <laughs> I'm those, putting the gold back in gold. Th- those two, good. those two things are <laughs> yeah. prongs for the. Oh, plug. So They're this, called plug. This podcast setup. He wanted to send the whole thing back because he couldn't figure out one single plug. And then I show up and I just do it. And he's like, "How did you? How did you know that?" He's like, "How uh, did you know that?" Because it's a plug. But anyway, okay. So you're second, a dinosaur. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that was interesting. What you said about you know it's a privilege to be older now. And it's, there you go. Maybe I might have to be nicer to you now. Yeah, That's this good. anti-aging business is really not good. People mm-hmm. who don't age aren't do what don't fare well. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, so if you're going to be in the inher- and you're going to be in the well, you better well, you better straighten up here. Huh? Straighten your ass out. Sorry. Watch your mouth, Will. My mouth. So anyway, three. So mm-hmm. you so you have have imposed shame, which you cannot repent of, and that's mm. important to know. You cannot repent of someone else's shame. Okay. Yes. So like your your parents. Right, and it gets stuck with you because when you're four years old, you cannot say to a parent, "Hey, you know what? You're a really lousy parent. I'm mm. going to pack my little suitcase and move down the road." <laughs> Much as you want Joneses, to. you know, because you're kind of stuck. Mm-hmm. So that imposed shame has to be hidden, and that's where you mm. have to learn to lie because you can't be honest about what's going on around you. Mm-hmm. You know, so, and then you hit the moral shame, which is mm-hmm. what you do. That's sin. Sin is anything that separates us from God and separates us from each other. Mm-hmm. So, and that's the sin we can repent of. That's the good news. Right. The good news is, is that Chris used to say, you know. You're in the courtroom and you confess your worst stuff. You're all, and the judge says you are guilty, mm-hmm. and he gets ready to impose a lifelong sentence of shame on you. Mm-hmm. And Jesus walks in the back of the room and says, "I'm here to take that guilt and shame." She's free to go. He doesn't say you're free to be on probation or parole. He mm-hmm. says you're free to go. Yeah. And that's what I didn't know. I didn't know there was a way back. I didn't know the freedom that Jesus died to give me. So all, you know, we'll just, we'll jump ahead a few years. So you're sitting in a seminar and mm-hmm. you find out there's a way to get back. I just find out what's wrong. I didn't know what was wrong. Mm. 
I just knew my life was crap. You know, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm married to a psychiatrist okay. I'm, who's nice. a crazy man. He's a drug-addicted psychiatrist. I'm making marijuana brownies for staff picnics on the uh-huh. campus of a psychiatric hospital. Of course, as one does. Which and, is why she's on our podcast. <laughs> she's cool. <laughs> and, and so, and I'm stuck and lost, and I mm. have no idea what's going on. Yep. I don't know why life is so crazy. I just think I am. Mm. Because it's like normal normal what you're doing for the world that you're in yeah yeah it has nothing to do with right or wrong it's just that was your normal right normal adjustment to abnormalcy creates abnormalcy it turns Mm -hmm. out (laughs) she's good it's like so you know i'm and then god reached in and Mm -hmm. offered me a job in alcoholism family counseling while you're still while I'm still married to the crazy shrink, and I'm probably stoned when that was offered to me, you know. But irony. <laughs> but I do know the answer. Yeah, I can figure it out. Just not going to implement it in my own way. So, and then they sent me to the first family alcoholism counseling program in the country, mm. which was wow. an incredible. I turned the job down for four months. And this is like, like early '80s. 1978. That was a good, that was a good year. 1978. That was a good year. <laughs> Van Halen 1 came up. There you go. (laughs) And and so then I set out on a war path. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was like, I am going to say the truth. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie. And what is it that you learned at that seminar? I learned that what I had done was a normal thing for children growing up in dysfunction to Mm do. Whether it's, and that there are different ways that we respond to hide. We respond by being perfect. We respond Mm -hmm. by being, don't care. We respond by hiding. We respond by making a joke and being sarcastic. Mm. Acting out. we, we, We all kind of have a way of surviving. When we learn to speak the language of survival, and God offers us the language of love. And I think one of the big things in the church that is, not looked at is we look at people getting saved Mm -hmm. and i've i grew up in germany i can get a passport out of germany Hmm. but i still speak german i did not know that no 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 it's a metaphor oh and so you know you still speak german Uh uh-huh you have to learn a different language. And the language of love is a lifelong journey. I mean, mm. I still have this other language in there. If somebody just starts to yeah. do something suddenly, I know how to survive. Mm. It comes <laughs> right back up. Yeah, we learned, because I, I have a bachelor's in psychology, which probably <laughs> never used for psychological purposes. But that we'll use it today. Yeah, we'll I'll use it. Yeah, exactly. Every day. <laughs> but it's that what you're describing there is maladaptive behaviors or those those behaviors that a lot of the times you see children, even young adults, fully grown adults, a lot of the times where over time these behaviors get solidified of coping mechanisms to deal with the shame or the guilt or whatever it is that you're feeling. And a lot, I loved what you said about what, what was the guilt that you're not responsible for or the shame that you're not responsible for? Which one was that one called? Any sin, moral shame. Okay. So when you're not responsible for what's imposed on you, and a lot of the times you feel like you're still responsible. Oh, I'm sorry. That's imposed shame. Imposed shame. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 So that one is, I mean, I feel so many people in my generation can totally relate to that is that is the one thing that you feel you, you can't deal with. There's everything else you can deal with. You can figure it out. But the one thing is it's not in your control. Your parents put it on you. Your friends put it on you. And that's just like, well, what do I do? Is there anything that I can do about it? And it's just 
something that I had to learn. I did something called fully alive, which was, you know, it was kind of like group therapy with the Holy Spirit on steroids. It was insane. You know, they put you in a room. There's a bunch of lead pastors there and they they ask you questions and they pray over you. And then they like they pull things out of you that you don't even know are there. And a lot of the things that they addressed in our particular group was imposed shame of the parents or the friends or family members or something like that. And I found that was something that most of the younger people in my generation are dealing with today is that imposed shame that you feel like you're stuck with it. You can't do anything with it. You know, one of the things that my daughter speaks a lot Mm -hmm. and People ask me sometimes, doesn't it embarrass you because she talks about the marijuana smoke coming out of the minivan and the funny <laughs> sugar cubes in the icebox? And, and, and doesn't that embarrass you? And I'm like, no, mm-hmm. that's who we were. Mm-hmm. It's not who we are. We yeah. totally believe and trust the healing power of Christ. Mm-hmm. But what I do absolutely feel honored by is that my daughter can get up on a stage and mm-hmm. tell her story without having to protect mine. Mm. Because yeah. the biggest reason people do not get into healing is that they're protecting someone else's story. Oh. That's like the, fam- the, the family secret. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it, it's going to hurt somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, if I say my parent was this or that, it's going to hurt somebody. Because mm-hmm. they're yep. still in denial. Right. And it, it risks, when you break the family authorized truth, Mm. then you risk getting kicked out of your family. Ah, you risk getting exiled or rejected. Yep. Wow. And so it's the biggest barrier, mm-hmm. I think, to people getting well mm-hmm. is that they can deal with their shame. Right. They can deal with their sin. But mm-hmm. what they can't deal with is the sin of the story that they were born into. Mm-hmm. We're all born into a story. Yeah. And then you feel like a, a traitor Yeah. if you... I did that when I did that uh, speech. What, what, mm-hmm. What's that class? The I communicator took? course. Yeah. Yeah. So I started off. I said, "Hey, I." Uh, I started off. I said, "Hey, I'm uh, was raised in a normal family of eight children. One died, or nine children. One died, and the family secret was alcoholism." Mm-hmm. And and after I got done speaking, uh, one of the people that were critiquing it, mm-hmm. he's like, "I thought, oh, this is going to be funny." He goes, and then boom. Yeah, because I was so. But it's what set me free was mm. able to say, "This is the." And and I don't go around telling everybody that you know, dad was had a drinking problem, right? But I do tell people that that was what the family secret was, mm-hmm. and we were living a life of shame for years and mm-hmm. years and years and years, because God forbid that anybody would know. Although everybody knows. Yeah, the, the elephant in the living room that everybody knows about, but nobody talks about. Yep. And so everybody doesn't know that everybody else knows, mm. you know, which is the other thing you don't know. And you, then you think you're crazy because right. that really crazy thing is happening over there. And everybody is acting like it's not. And so why? I must be wrong. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Will had mentioned the, uh, the Utes of the Utes. today. Mm-hmm. And that, do you think that it's any different than what I was saying? It's, no. just, it's just a different narrative Mm -hmm. i I think it's actually more acceptable now to get help than it was when i was coming along we didn't have mental Mm. health Mm -hmm. we had psychiatric hospitals but there was no community mental health there were not a plethora of counselors anywhere certainly not what you're doing right back then no yeah and nobody was doing what nobody nobody in fact when alcoholics anonymous started in the 30s it was anonymous Mm mm-hmm 
and because people were still ashamed. And I Mm. say, you know, the only freedom that a lot of people ever found was in the rooms of AA, Mm. but they couldn't, (laughs) I did somebody one time, does your God keep you in the basement? Mine lets me walk around upstairs. (laughs) 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 Yeah, that's good. I can go outside. So yeah, what, what, right. what, what, what would you say to a, a younger person? Because, I mean, I, I mean, I'm old, you're older, and you're young. But what would you say to, um, that is like a, I don't want to say an, long, it's a long-term truth or mm-hmm. uh, to a younger person that's, even though it's different, it's actually the same thing. The devil doesn't have like a whole bag of tricks. No, it's he all used, limited. He uses the same mm-hmm. one. He's got a he's got a short list, yeah. and they work effectively. He's just really good at that. So a, a young person listening and says, "I just moved out of my house two weeks ago." Hey, buddy. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not talking about <laughs> sounds you, familiar. But, I'm just <laughs> but there's a lot of people that are in that place. That oh, are going, sure. A lot of my friends, yeah. That are like Will has shared before. It's like, oh crap. I've got to go buy toilet paper. <laughs> yeah, what, what, don't we have people? Don't we have people for that? So, so you have this next generation that are coming out, and it's, everything's new to them, including, and they find out. They go, I need help. Mm. What is what is the first thing that they that a young person needs to do to say, I, I do not want my old. I don't want to pass on. I want to change my narrative. Mm. There you go. Yeah. What, did, yeah. what has to happen there? Of course, I'm water said, come to making peace and beyond. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Plug. take the every video six series. Weeks, yeah. Every six weeks. No, uh, the video series is available. Oh. Yeah. The video uh, series on the line? Available. On the line. Yeah, making peace and beyond. Will's going to look it over while Nice <laughs> workbook here. Uh, but she, you also do uh, a weekend where you go through... Explain the, the weekend. I'm sorry, we're all over the place, but it's that's just, what we do. It's a it's a limited number of people, up to 15, that just come away for the weekend, and we look at who God is, who we are, how we hide from ourselves and others, mm-hmm. um, how guilt and shame, boundary setting, relationship, how that affects relationships, mm-hmm. um, reclaiming yourself, control mm-hmm. issues, self-talk, uh, idolatry, conflict resolution, how to see others through Christ's eyes. And then you go through this workbook for the next 10 weeks, and uh, it fertilizes the seeds that were planted. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of experiential stuff. Um, So it's really a very healing thing. I've been doing it for 40 years now (laughs) in several different states. And what I think people find out is that they're not alone. And I think that's the first thing I would say, mm. Lillard, going back to your original question, <laughs> is that the first thing to do is to find a safe place where you can have your truth. Mm-hmm. Where you safe can, place where you can have your truth. Exactly. Okay. Where you can talk about what happened. Mm. And sometimes people start with a counselor, sometimes a pastor, sometimes it's a treasured friend. Mm. Uh, sometimes it's a, something like what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it's something make it, like making peace. Making peace goes very in-depth. And I will be honest, when I first started doing it in 1982 or something, um, I would go into a church and I would see all these little, you know, 
women and, and they would be sitting there and I'd think, I'm going to mm. tell my story and they're going to run out of the room. Yeah. You know, because God <laughs> let me do every sin so everybody else would feel comfortable with theirs. Uh, <laughs> you know, yep, yep. You know ah, so okay. my ex said, God must have a big job for you because he sure gave you a rough training program. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know? Yes. But um, what surprised me was that they didn't run. Instead, mm. they told their story. And those groups would come in on Friday wanting to think, why did I come here and why can I get out of here to, mm -hmm. I don't want to leave. I was sitting in it, so I was in one of her groups in. Mm -hmm. About 50 of my groups. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I attended multiple times. After like the, the seventh time, I, I said, I might be codependent. She's like, oh, really? Okay. <laughs> Go figure. But I remember sitting there the first night and they're telling these stories and I'm thinking, this is amazing that this person lived through this story. Mm -hmm. But I didn't want to share my story. I was like, I, I don't want to share. And I, and I told her, she goes, what? I'm going to cry now. I said, I don't want to share my story because I'm afraid that I'm going to start crying mm -hmm. and it'll never stop. Right. It's like it's never going to. It's, it's like I'm going to open up the gates and let this thing go. Mm -hmm. Have you ever experienced anything like that? Oh, my gosh. So the fully alive thing that I was talking about when I I remember when I first got there, I have this buddy who's, you know, he's let's just say he's more on the emotional side. I was like, hey, 20 bucks, you cry first. He's like, shut <laughs> up, dude. I was fully like, you're going to cry first. I just guarantee it. And so we're going around the room. And so there was these initial questions of like, do you have have your you know, have your parents split up? Are you, uh, have you ever done alcohol? Have you ever been high before? Have you ever done this, this, this? And we get around and then, okay. So we're going to start off with Will. I'm like, oh no. So I went first. <laughs> and so by the end of it, they're, they're talking about things that are deep within me that I didn't even realize were there. And they're pulling things out of me and the waterworks start and I'm crying and I'm on the floor. We did this thing called carpet time where you get down on the floor you're in a very vulnerable physical position. You're with another guy and you're both praying together and you're, you're praying in the spirit. So you're calling out spirits. You're replacing that with the Holy Spirit. And then by the end of it, you're just crying and you're, you're ashamed at first because you're like, ah, I don't want to get out of my comfort zone in front of all of my guy friends. But then you just close your eyes and you just don't care about it. And then everybody starts putting hands on you. And you're just crying. And so by the end of it, he's like, 20 bucks. I'm like, what? He says, you were the first to cry in the whole room. I was like, oh, that's right. So yes, absolutely. And you, you feel vulnerable. And it's like, you got to get over that initial pang of fear of like, oh, I don't want to get out of this comfortable spot. But then you realize you have to. And then the waterworks start. And it so technically, helps. what is that? It's a ball of tears that you've wanted to cry for years. And you put words on it. And it comes through your throat, and you yep. start crying. <laughs> yeah. and, and I think I probably yeah. said something to you like, well, you'll stop crying when you have to pee. You know, I mean, <laughs> It's like you're not going to cry forever, yeah, right. but you're going to cry a lot mm -hmm. yeah. because there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of history. There's a yep. lot of loneliness. There's mm -hmm. a lot of feeling misunderstood and unheard mm -hmm. that goes into that. And, and, and you've, the wall that you put around it mm -hmm. is really big, mm -hmm. and it's my— 10-year-old granddaughter told me I took her to Costa Rica one day, and, and uh, she wouldn't go on the zip lines. And I don't, mm -hmm. I'm terrified of heights. Oh, sure, They're like 12 yeah. trees. And <laughs> she said, Ma, I just really want to go on the zip lines. And I said, Anna, I'm just thinking that's way out of my comfort zone. And Anna said, Ma, 
Mm-hmm. I just think you'd be so much more comfortable outside of your comfort zone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and that's the truth. But getting out of it is terrifying. Mm-hmm. I mean, because that's the thing that could have gotten you excommunicated from your family. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that could have made everybody reject you. Well, mm-hmm. and you, you think that that's, that's all I know. Yes. What yeah. am I going to do out here? What, yeah. uh, what, right? I mean, I, I remember thinking when I did a lot of drinking, I'm like, this is who I am. Yeah. Mm. This is who our family is. Yeah. This is what would I do outside of that? And is there life outside of and and okay, so it doesn't have to do with only drinking. I mean, mm-hmm. what kind of I mean, it's like uh, people uh, have to deal with it because of any kind of shame from abuse, sexual abuse, mm-hmm. raging, Filt, a, a raging mother, or yeah, and so they, they're just mental illness, mental illness, they're, even terminal illness that we can't, anything you can't talk about. Mm-hmm. And if you're supposed to be the perfect child, mm. if you're supposed to be the one who restores the family honor, right. and you don't do it right, oh boy, then <laughs> you, you get really, really. Uh-huh. I mean, you you start to feel ashamed and uh-huh. guilty, and you yep. can't do anything. I mean. Perfectionism is a terrible thing. Mm. And and those people were doing, it's like, and Jamie helped me realize mm-hmm. it. I mean, like, when I finally forgave my dad, it was I was able to realize that he was doing the best he could. Mm. He didn't have the tools. Yes. And and so we we look back at it and we say, I look back now and I think he had nine kids. He had a wife before my mom that died of cancer. One of my, my siblings died. He, he was raised in an alcoholic family. He didn't graduate from high school. He had no tools. Mm. Yet there's eight people running around the house. And I think... <laughs> Wanting his attention. Yeah. yeah. And I think now I'm thinking, wow, he did a really good job. But in the middle of that, I was like, you could be... I hate you. Yeah. You're the worst <laughs> yeah. parent yeah. ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a saying: It doesn't matter if Saint Peter hits you with a car, you're still dead. <laughs> you know, it yeah. is. It is. Yeah. It's not about good and bad parents. I believe yes. everybody is a part of a story that started generations ago. Yeah, and those influences of the prior generations are still there. Mm-hmm. And so, you're just a continuation of an ongoing story, and so are mm-hmm. they. Yeah, you know, and you know, to really realize that. You know, you can, it's not black and white because that's one of the big things that happens when you make up your own self mm-hmm. <laughs> is yeah. it's very black and white, you know, so you're either good or bad. Mm-hmm. And, and so and it's not that way. I mean, my parents were wonderful people. They blessed me in so many ways, but their understanding is what destroyed them and almost destroyed me. Mm. Yeah, wow. that's good. Well, heck, that's when you, oh boy, when you said the the perfectionist, you know, the kid has to be the poster child for the family. Hello, (laughs) I'm an only child. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. Oh, all of my friends are like, ah, we can tell you're an only child. And so it was a lot of the, and this was all self-imposed pressure of like, you have to be the shining star. You have to be the golden boy of the family. You have to be the one that made it out. So, you know, my mom sees that I've started this podcast and I'm writing this book and she's all like, you're going to be the one that makes it. And so it's it's very endearing. His mom is about as sweet as they come. Oh, yeah. But she wasn't my mom. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Growing up with her. Sorry. Sorry, Lisa. But it's when you have that. It's again, it's very endearing. It's it's uh, you can do it. You've got it. But then it's also 
there's a pressure that I impose on myself of now I have to actually live up to this. Mm -hmm. I have to, and I'm the only one. There is no, I can have the older brother do it or I can have the younger sister be the perfect one. It's like, no, I have to actually, now I have to be straight A student. Now I have to make a bunch of friends. I remember I got a C one time on my report card because I had a big science project that just completely fell through the floor. And my mom (laughs) called my teacher and was like, there's something wrong. My son could never do this. I was like, mom, what are you talking about? It's a C. It's not the end of the world. To her, it was the end of the world because I had never done that before. So events like that, even little things, you know, they start out with something as small as a C and then it expands and expands as you get older to now I have to have six figures when I'm 25. And so there are these self-imposed pressures. Again, a lot of my generation has this, especially if you're an only child Mm -hmm. where the parents expect something of you, but it's really not to the extent of what I make it out inside of me. And so I have to have all this pressure and all this anxiety now because I feel like I have to be the perfect child. And you know, the, 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 the absolute inside of a child that has to be the perfect child is a sense of inadequacy. Mm. I mean, you cannot ever live up to that perfect image that somebody imposed on mm-hmm. you or that you imposed on yourself. You can't. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's funny. People say sometimes God won't give you more than you can handle. And my answer to that is God always gives you more than you can handle. Ooh, I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's the whole Bible. I mean, that's it's the like the whole purpose of the Bible is to say you can't do it alone. You mm. can't do it by yourself. You can't be all things to all people all the time wow. and nothing. Yeah. You can't. And so to be able to pull it back and say, I'm just a regular human being. I was telling Joyce this morning, we when the media stuff started coming about with making peace and beyond, mm-hmm. I felt like I wanted to run because that's what I do. I run, run you know, I yep. mean, survival behaviors are control, fight, run, freeze, you know? Yep. And so, so that's what I do. I run. And, sure. and, I, and so then I stayed cause I've learned to stay, mm-hmm. which is hard. Yeah. But, what I realized is what a tiny little piece of making peace and beyond I've been because for almost mm. 40 years, people have shown up. People yeah. have shown up to put it on, to do the administration, to do the thing, to pay scholarships, to mm. uh, do the follow-up groups, to yeah. you know provide meals, to provide housing, to mm-hmm. do the editing of a book, to do the media. I mean, it's all shown up, and I'm just this tiny little thread. It's God's program. It's not my program. Yeah. Mm. And so it was such a good, strong feeling to be a part of something that big, mm-hmm. you know, to really realize that, you know, it wasn't all on me. Mm-hmm. If it's of God, you need the body of Christ. Right. And if you don't have that, it won't fly. It's mm-hmm. why we have small groups at our church. Yes. It's, a, it's about community. It's literally called a community church it, it, for a reason. Yeah. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so let's just say someone's out there of our millions of viewers. Although <laughs> right. you have 600. She has 600 and how many? 612,000 views on one of the TikToks. One oh. of the TikToks. <laughs> nice. So, so, so if you want to be on TikTok. <laughs> Make it Hello. peace and beyond. But here's the thing. That's, <laughs> that, that's where people find that people find what they want to find on mm-hmm. TikTok. And you can yep. find Jamie on TikTok. You can find her on a website. But, uh, but if, if someone said, you know what, you're, something's hitting me. Mm-hmm. That Chris and Will have said, right? <laughs> oh, wait a minute. That Jamie said, right? How can they? What 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 can they do? They can they can 
get online. Yeah, Make It Peace and Beyond. We have podcasts. We have a website. Um, everything's under Making Peace and Beyond. We have TikTok. We have Instagram, Facebook. Um, so it's all out there. The books are on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um so you can get them there. Perfect. So the first the first thing I'd do is I'd buy this book. And I'm mm-hmm. not, the, Jamie did not ask us. She's just coming down here. We invited her down here. It was her 80th birthday present. Uh, she can stay Hello. for half yeah. price. She can stay half price at my house. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't get the bill yet, though. Right. <laughs> they guilted me into get it, the, actually. Yeah. It's, like, it's, like at Sears, it's like at Sears years ago, they'd have an advertisement 50% off. And someone's like, you, you never go to Sears and buy anything until there's a sale. Because there's right. always a sale. Yes. It's always 50%. Yep. Off. But anyway, she's got this book called Secrets from the Third Pew. And it talks about, mm-hmm. she shares very in, in, in depth of what happened. Yeah. And, and, and there's some people out there that something's happened. Mm. And it, it, it may not be big to you, but it, it may be giant to you. And you might think, well, I, I'm unique. You're not. Mm. Terminal not. uniqueness is a bad idea. Mm. It, does, it doesn't have to be an abuse. It has to be someone could say something to you a long time ago and you took it personal and you've never been able to deal with it. And so I I'm just want to testify. testify. I want to testify. <laughs> Go, brother. <laughs> what you want to say? <laughs> I forgot what I was going to testify about. <laughs> no, I just want to testify. I, my wife and family were, were ready to let me go. Well, mm. they were not happy with me, and I had an anger issue. Does that surprise you that I had anger? Not in the slightest. No. Neither. And uh, <laughs> I had an anger issue, and Joyce confronted me, and she said, you, you need to get help because you're miserable. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, wait a minute. We're, we've got this golden world going on here. Mm-hmm. We've got this great house. I'm on the fire department. I'm amazing. I'm reigning our uh, marriage. I said, what would you rank our marriage at? And she says, well, what would you? I said, I'd be at like a nine. She's like, I'd be like at a three. And I'm like, what the? You know, good thing what? I was sitting on the toilet when she told me because I would have <laughs> came after her. <laughs> but, but she's like, you, you need to get help. You, you mm-hmm. need to talk to somebody. And I'm like, I don't need help. I know Jesus. Mm. I'm in the church. I'm sober. I'm doing all these things. She's right. like, yeah, but, but you're miserable and you're making us miserable. Mm. And it was like... But I'm here to tell you, I'm not the same man that met you 20-some years ago, right? 25. 25 years ago. I was trying to think of how long it's been. It was 25 because you knew me before I moved to Cleveland. Mm. And and you were responsible for me moving to Cleveland, you and Joyce. (laughs) Joyce was like, please come, please, (laughs) please. And it's been it's been a great friendship all along, watching each other grow. But (laughs) But I've changed. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and again, and, and I'm, I'm, what, I'm not going to say, it's like, whatever you like, want. <laughs> like, well, you could be raised in a family by two people that are totally dedicated to you, mm-hmm. to your success, to your, to, to being sober, to doing the things, mm-hmm. doing the best you can. But there's something that happens inside that, that even though they did their best, it's like, it's, it, it's not blaming my dad for what he's doing. It's understanding what mm-hmm. happened yeah mm-hmm. yes and so so if you if you're in a bad place and you're like i, I just need to understand what you're going to go first of all get help pastor bernard talked about this mm-hmm. a couple couple months ago mm-hmm. but you, you it's it's Find okay place. it's right it's okay mm-hmm. yeah and for 
what would you say about all this that we've been talking about? Well, heck, it's like maybe I should do this. I don't know. It's like there's no downside to it, really. No. Go, yeah. fi- go figure. Yeah, go figure. Well. <laughs> well, hey, Jamie, he got it. Okay, we were successful. I figured it out. Yeah. This, is, this is an intervention. I knew it. I knew it. This is how you do intervention. You invite him to be the co-host. Oh, we're, we're co-hosts. 15 episodes in, and you finally <laughs> drop the bomb on me that this is just a giant intervention. No, but go ahead. Yeah, well, I mean, this is this is exactly what I think a lot of us youngins should be doing or really anybody of any age because there's a lot of unkempt things in people's internal homes. And I, I saw this, um, I think I've talked about it on the podcast before. I saw Dr. Jordan Peterson give one of his mm-hmm. lectures before. Like He's an awesome, awesome speaker and communicator. And he was talking about one of the chapters in uh, his new book, 12 More Rules for Life. And it was leave nothing in the fog. And so the whole hour and a half lecture mm-hmm. was about bringing things to the light. And I, it's funny because usually when you go to see like Jordan Peterson live, you're just starstruck the whole time that he's there speaking to you. But I was like, oh, I'm actually like learning something here. I wasn't expecting to get something out of it. But he mentioned a lot of you leave something in the fog, you develop these bad behaviors because of it, and then your life gets put into shambles. But if you bring something to the light and if you address it and if you're honest about it, you know, for example, doing Making Peace and Beyond or maybe Fully Alive or the Freedom Group that Bayside does, something along those lines where you bring, you bring the truth to your issue, you bring the issue to the light, and there, there, is, no, there is no wrong that could happen because, I mean, it's going to hurt in the moment, but in the long run, when you bring that issue to the truth, there has to be a cleansing that happens. There has to be a sanctification. One thing that truth, healing happens in truth. Mm-hmm. God cannot enter our lives. He cannot do it. He's truth. Mm-hmm. So we can't heal until we allow the truth mm-hmm. to be present. And it's not always parents. I want to mention that. Mm. It's sure. not always parents. It can be the bullies in school. It mm-hmm. can be the uncle who raped you. It can mm-hmm. be the the people who beat you up. It can be the spouse who betrayed you. Mm-hmm. It can be the friend who who... Uh, put you out bad on Facebook or whatever. Sure, yeah. I mean, it can be anything that happens that you feel you can't share. Mm. When we, I mean, when you can't share your truth, mm-hmm. you're not being true to God or yourself. Yeah. You know, so so it's about living in the truth, which is very frightening initially mm-hmm. because of the cost, potential cost. Mm-hmm. And we are becoming a society that is afraid of the truth. Mm. because mm. it's become pretty scary to talk about yeah. it sometimes. Yeah. And there's a, there's a, there's a price for it. Yeah. And but the great thing about Jesus it, found as, that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. The ultimate. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> and but we know that as a, a believer or someone that uh, believes in and that Jesus uh died for me and and w- rose from the dead mm-hmm. and and uh ascended to heaven and he's making a place for me mm. that when I, um, that was a long sentence. I mean, it's truth though. <laughs> it's good. It's good. <laughs> we followed you, Chris. But now Jesus making a place for you in heaven. Yeah. But, but it's, it's okay. And once we get into truth, we find out, Oh my gosh, this is was here that I've been hiding from all mm. these years. Mm-hmm. This newfound freedom, this new ability to be myself, this yeah. new ability to to have a, a platform that um, 
that that you Jamie has probably reached more people. I mean, there's people. Okay, I'm being. What is that word called? Facetious. No, I'm. What's that word? Anyway, uh, embellishing a little bit. Okay. She reached millions of people in her life, (laughs) but she's actually reached a lot of people and has Mm. set them free only by saying, "Let's just, let's just." Have a this, conversation. Let's have a conversation. Yeah, simple let's as Let's be honest. Anything yeah. that you wrap us up and anything that you would say to, to uh, maybe a young, a young person? I would say no matter what has happened to you, no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, there's a way back. And mm. that way back is through Christ. Mm. Amen to that. That's wow. all I got. Wow. <laughs> Drop the mic. That's all she's got. <laughs> Boom. Hey, thanks for listening. If you need you. if you need help, call somebody. Uh but you can email us. There There's will a- I will put the link in the description. You know, I think you have a link tree. We'll put mm-hmm. all of those links for your TikTok, Sweet. your social media, your website and stuff, and then the links to the books and all that good stuff. And and pray for me because uh the Holy Spirit's been saying <laughs> that I might need to run this class. We'll do it as a yeah. small group. Oh, okay. In in the in the fall cool. or in the winter, we're already in fall. Next season. Do we have winter here in Florida? Not really. It's just slightly less hot. Season. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we have. Jamie's going back up to the snow. <laughs> she, I know. <laughs> she, she came from South North Carolina to okay. to, to Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know why I did that because <laughs> of you guys. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Chris. Her son-in-law, and her son is like an amazing cook. Mm-hmm. Uh, owns a, owns a restaurant called uh, Hatfields, which is uh, you know the you know the James Hatfield Hatfields and McCoys. Hatfields oh yes, McCoys. okay. So that's their that's their, and he has a restaurant in uh, the west side of Cleveland, mm-hmm. Hatfields, uh, and uh, it's Southern food. Hey. It's not healthy. No, absolutely no, but not. But it's so good. It's, so good. <laughs> it's good for your soul. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Sugar hey, and grace. God bless you. We'll see you next week. See you next week.